All right, Ephesians chapter 6, <clears throat> verse 10 to 18 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So Ephesians chapter 6 is a very stark reminder that in this kingdom, in this born-again life, that we are in a battle, that we are, we are in a war. Um, unfortunately, when we get saved, life doesn't just become like this bed of roses, you know, and it's like, Ah, everything just works out and it's all grand. Unfortunately, roses have thorns too. And so we're going to get pricked. And so we'll experience, it's not every day, it's not all the time, but there will be seasons, there will be days where there will be adversity that comes against us. In verse 13 here, Paul calls it the evil day. And so the enemy will come. If you know 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he writes to the believers and he says, your adversary, in other words, we have an adversary. It says, your adversary, the devil, seeks, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we do have an adversary. And as he says in Ephesians chapter 6, that he comes up with schemes against us. He comes up with schemes to trip us up. He comes up with schemes to frustrate us. He comes up with schemes to accuse us, to, for us to turn our hearts against the Father. And so he's got all these plans and all these things that he works against us. And so we have to be aware that the enemy does this, that he comes to steal, that he comes to kill, and that he comes to destroy. And so the good news is this, is that he's God's adversary too. He's not just our adversary. So it's two against one, you know, and we've got the, the better partner against the enemy. Amen. But what I want to see in Ephesians chapter 6 is referring to these evil days, referring to the times of adversity. There's a, there's a position that Paul encourages us to take. And we see he mentions it three times. Firstly, in verse 11, then in verse 13, and then in verse 14. So we read that here in verse 11, it says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. And then again, he says, stand, therefore. And so if you know anything about um, biblical study, when something is repeated, it's done so on purpose. It's done to draw your attention. It's done to emphasize a certain point. And so Paul is emphasizing this point here, saying, when the evil day comes, when the time of adversity comes, when your adversity, the devil, comes to trip you up, when he comes to, he can't, he, he can't take away your salvation. He can't destroy you. We always have the victory, but he will come and he will try and he will nag and he will do all these things to trip us up, to frustrate us. When he comes, the Bible says we must stand. And that word stand is not a, it's not a passive state. Notice it doesn't say when the time, when the evil day comes, get into your bunker and hide away until it passes. It says take a stand. And I want to give you an illustration. I'm going to ask Ines, komiso. The devil gets a stick. Not you. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me do that properly. 
That word stand, first of all, it means this. It means to stand ready, to be prepared. When the day of adversity comes, I'm not, it's not like stand. Yo, do you know? Yo, man, you're not. Sure. It's not what it means to stand ready, to be alert, to be watchful. Secondly, it means when the enemy comes to confront me, in the midst of a battle, <laughs> you got to let me win, okay? <laughs> i got to hold my ground. So I never retreat. That which God has done in me, that which God has done through me, that legacy that he's built in me, I maintain that ground. I never retreat. I never move back. I hold the ground. I hold that which God has done in my family. I hold that which God has done in my ministry. I hold it together. I defend it. I'm not trying to break it. Let's fight. Come. Right. Okay. I'm holding my ground. I don't let him. When he advances, I stand. I don't walk back. The third thing that means, it's a, it's a really cool, almost like a King Jamesy word. It means to vanquish the enemy. And that means to destroy totally and to destroy utterly. And so we have our little duel. Chup, chup, and then eventually... Let me fall down. But I don't just stab him. Now I cut off his head. <laughs> Pierce it through his heart. Stand on his fingers. And then I sit on him. <laughs> Thank you. That's what it means to stand. It's like I said, it's not a, it's not a passive place. I've got my notes all mixed up. There we go. It's not a passive place, but it's a place of, of, of offense. It's not a place of surrender, not a place of retreat. And so the worst thing to do in the day of adversity is to do nothing. I'll say it again. The worst thing to do in the day of adversity is to do nothing. Unfortunately, for most Christians, a majority of Christians, when the enemy comes, when the adversary comes, we don't know that we have the authority, first of all, and secondly, that we have the ability to contend, to stand. And so we stand like this, and we make ourselves a punching bag. And he hits us left, and he hits us right, and he hits us left, and he hits us right, and we just stand there. We're like, oh, woe is me. Somebody please come and help me. And so the worst thing to do is to do nothing. The best thing to do is what Paul says, is that when the day of adversary comes, is that we need to stand. God has given us, like I said, all authority and every weapon necessary to overcome, to be triumphant, and to vanquish the enemy. And so he makes it very practical in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to work our way through that in how we do this, how we stand, how do we vanquish the enemy, how do we overcome, how do we be triumphant. Firstly, he says this in verse 10, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And so in the midst of this battle, there's an advantage that we as the believers have, and it's this is that we can draw strength from God. If you think about it, God is the source of all life. He's the source of all strength. He's the source of all power. He's the source of all energy. And as believers, we're connected to the source. The devil, on the other hand, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, like, you know, like on your laptop, right? And you've got that cable, and there's a little box in between the two cables. And when you unplug that cable, from the wall, the green light stays on for a little bit. Yeah, you want to see that? Yeah? It stays on for a little bit, and it slowly fades away. It's on, but its power is diminishing because it's not connected to the source. And this is who the devil is. 
he disconnected himself from the source of all power and from the source of all life. And so we have an advantage over him in that we can wear him out. When he contends, no matter how long it takes, no matter the season, no matter what he's doing, when he comes, I can fight and I can fight and I can carry on fighting. I can carry on fighting. I can carry on fighting because the Lord is giving me strength. The Lord is infusing me with his very own life, giving me the ability to stand. Whereas he, the more I fight him, the more he retreats, the more he becomes weaker and weaker and eventually he's like, okay, this isn't working anymore. Let me just put this down and let me try something else. Matthew, um, Matthew chapter four, right? Jesus in the garden. The devil comes to him. If you're the son of God with the temptations, da, 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 da. If you're the son of God, da, da, da. He tries, he tries, he tries. He contends with Jesus. Jesus stands. He doesn't let himself be a punching bag. He stands against the enemy. He contends with the weapons God has given him. And it says the devil leaves him. It says for an opportune time. In other words, he's going to try to find another way because this way isn't working anymore. Why? Because Jesus wore him out. And we see this in, in Psalm, Psalm 18. If you could go there, Psalm 18, I want to read from verse 31 to verse 42. Psalm 18, verse 31 to verse 42. This is us, the believer. It says, For who is God <coughs> excuse me, but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me. Your gentleness made me great. You gave a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. Verse 37, I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they were not able to rise. They fell under my feet. Then verse 39, for you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me I destroyed. Both in verse 32 and verse 39, the psalmist writes, says, you have equipped me with strength. That word equip means to almost like put on a belt, to gird. And so what he's saying there is that God has girded us. He's put on us a belt of strength. And this is in comparison to the enemy. The enemy doesn't have that anymore. He has no ability to receive anything from the Father. And so God gives us this belt of strength. He equips us for the battle. And you'll see there in verse 37, 37, it says, I pursued my enemies and I overtook them. In other words, this supernatural strength, which God gives me in the day of battle, gives me the ability to overtake my enemy. It gives me an advantage over the enemy. Where he thought he could run, I can now run faster than him. He thought he could punch, I can now punch harder than him. He thought he had a good strategy, I can get a better strategy than him. Why? Because God has equipped me with strength to overcome. So we have an advantage. This is what what Paul is writing in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. It says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And so when the day of adversity comes, we look to the Father. We don't fight, like it says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We don't fight in natural ways. We don't fight in natural means. But we fight in the strength of the Father. We, we rest in the presence of God. We, we get into the Word. We, we fellowship with the saints. We do all the things that we can to get connected to God. And the more I do that, the more I stay connected to him, the more it equips me, the more he strengthens me to overcome this trial and to overcome this day of adversity. And I guarantee you, as you stand, not retreat, not hide, as you stand, you will overcome. Whatever the day of adversity is, whatever that circumstance is, whatever that mountain is that's standing before you, that that Goliath that's standing and taunting you, whatever that is, I guarantee you, if you just stand, 
you will overcome. And the day of evil, the day of adversity will pass because you will wear that sucker out. One of the prophets in the Old Testament talks about the day when we go to eternity. He says, we're going to look at the devil. We're going to say, it was you? And we're going to be shocked and like, how did I give you so much honor? How did I give you so much grandeur? He's like the small, like that Lord of the Rings. <laughs> what does he say? Shiny. <laughs> you know? That's what he looks like. He masquerades as this grand angel of light. And we're going to look at him in that day and we're going to be disappointed in ourselves. Like, I let you do this stuff to me. And so we have to know he is not God's equal. There's no yin and yang. It's not Jesus' brother. God looks at him and he turns him to a puff of smoke with his eyes. Lifts his little finger. Satan runs in terror. There's no comparison. There's no match between the two. And so we need to stand against him. Don't be afraid of him. Stand in the day of adversity. So that's the first thing in Ephesians chapter 6 that's very practical that Paul outlines is that we find our strength in him. Next thing is this. He says this, put on the whole armor of God. And so, I'm not knocking anybody, but I've heard people say it like, and I wake up in the morning, I put on the armor, you know, and then I do this, and I do that, and I do that. And I put on the armor of God, and I'm ready for the day. That's kind of, it's a bit obscure. It's not very practical. You know, what, what does that actually do? What does it actually mean? And why are you taking it off in the first place? You know? <laughs> you can sleep with your armor on. It's okay. It's comfortable. <laughs> and so Paul makes it very, very practical. And he talks about the armor of God, what we do when we stand against the enemy. So we're going to start from verse 14, talking about these different aspects of the armor of God. And it says this, first of all, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. These refer to our identity. And so what you'll find is that in the day of adversity, that the enemy will come to knock your identity. You're worthless. You don't fit in here. God's angry with you. He knocks the truths that God has put, put inside of us. He knocks the truths, the promises of his word that he's spoken over us in order to weaken us. Because when I am not confident in what God has said over me, I won't be confident to fight. I won't be confident to challenge him. And so in the day of adversity, remember we talk, Ephesians 6 talks about the schemes, right? The schemes, the tactics. He has all these little schemes. He has all these little tactics that he works to try and trip us up. And this is his number one tactic, is he first of all attacks our identity. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren. So he begins to accuse us. He begins to demoralize us. He begins to make us like self-worth, like bring us down. We look in the mirror and we get these thoughts. You're ugly. You're worthless. No one likes you. You'll never get married. All this stuff, you know, he demoralizes and he demoralizes. And his aim is to rob your identity. Like I said, because we won't, when we don't, when we're not confident in our identity, we won't have confidence to fight. We won't have confidence to stand. The only thing we want to do is just like, oh, let me just put this blanket over my head and hide away because I'm just, I just feel so blur, you know, so down. And so in the day of adversity, we must guard 
this area. And so I'm giving you very, very practical tips to, to stand in the day of adversity. So first of all, we must guard our identity in the day of adversity. When the trial comes, when the circumstance comes, we must go back to who God said we are. Don't entertain the lies. Don't entertain the voice of the accuser. We go back to the word. We go back to the promises. Who does God say I am? First of all, he says that I am righteous. In other words, I am accepted by him. I am blameless. I am justified. He examines me and he finds no fault in me. I am worthy to come before his throne of grace boldly. I'm justified, I'm righteous in his sight, first of all. Second of all, we need to go back to the promises he has spoken over our lives. And so in your Bible, you should be, when God speaks to you from a verse, you should highlight it. You should write a date. And then you need to go back to those things. You know, strengthen yourself in the Lord in the day of adversity. Go back to the promises and remind yourself of the things that God has spoken over you. Thirdly, go back to the prophetic words you have received. In, two, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, it says we wage war by the prophetic words we have received. So maybe you, Pastor Craig has called you forward to the front and he's spoken a word over you. Bring that out. Don't just leave it on the shelf. If, it's, if you've got the audio, listen to it. If you've got it written down, read it. Stir yourself up with these things. Remind yourself of your destiny. Remind yourself of who you are. I'm just thinking of Gideon. The story of Gideon, right? The, 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 the angel comes to him and says, Oh, you valiant warrior, you know, stand up and fight these guys. And he's like, Who am I? I'm just, I'm the least of my tribe. I'm the, I'm the youngest, you know, we'd like nothing before these guys. And he like, just ignores him. He says, Go in the strength of yours. It's, it's what God has spoken over him. It's the truth. You know, we, we, we are the worst critics of ourselves, or rather the best critics of ourselves. It always takes someone else to pull out the gold in us. And it takes, the best thing to do is when you, you start criticizing yourself and you start entertaining the accusations of the enemy and you start entertaining these accusations against your identity, take the promises Take the prophetic words. Remind yourselves of the righteousness, who you are in Christ Jesus, that you are not the least in your tribe. You're not the weakest. You're not the ugliest. You are a valiant warrior. And when we obtain, when we take hold of these promises, we will have the confidence to stand. And having done all, like the Bible says, having done all to stand, we stand. Amen. Second one there is in verse 15, the second part of this armor that we're looking at. It says, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. I'll read again. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Now I want to read Romans chapter 10, verse 14 to 15. And it says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed, and how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news, the shoes of the gospel. And I think this is like the best tactic. When the enemy is trying to steal from you, steal from him. Say it again. When the enemy is trying to steal from you, steal from him. Flip the script. If you're facing trial, you're facing the day of adversity, go out into the street and win the lost. Go out into the street, witness, pray for people, love on people. It's a strategy of war. Why? Because now he's fighting on two fronts. Before, it's just he's got all of them on you, but now it's like he has to go into defense mode because I'm not defending, I'm attacking him. And so now he has to send some guys there. And remember this, only a third of the angels followed Satan. In other words, 
for every one demon, there's at least two angels. So he's outnumbered. And so when I, when, I, when I go with him, I go with two, and I go and fight against one. And so I, I cause panic in his stations, and I, his strategy has to change. So when he's trying to steal from you, put on the shoes of the gospel and go steal from him. That's how we stand. There's a, there's a, there's a testimony, and I've mentioned it before, but I'll, I'll say it again. There's a guy called, he's a pastor in America. His name's Robbie Dawkins. And so he went to pastor a church in an area called Aurora, Illinois. And when he got there, this, this city that he, that he was going to plant the church in, they had the highest crime rates, like in America, um, like gang-related, like murders and crimes and stuff like that. And so what they did, they got a strategy from God that for every murder that happened in their city, they would go to that very site, to that very area, and win three people back. They would win three people to, to, to the kingdom, win three souls. And so they did this. Every time they heard of a murder, they would go. So let's say Durban, okay, murder on Florida Road. We go into Florida Road. We find three people. We win them to the Lord. Murder in CBD. We go down to CBD. Someone was murdered here. Okay, around this block, let's win three people to the Lord. And what they did, that, that, that city, which was notorious for like the highest murder rate, in five years, what they saw, it went down. Murder rate dropped by 31%. In the sixth year, there were zero murders. From the highest to nothing. Why? They stole from him when he was stealing from them. They divided his forces. And so... We put on the armor of God. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. And we fight back. I love it. It's like the Russia-Ukraine thing. Now Ukraine's going into Russia. You know, they're not just defending anymore. Now they're throwing bombs over the, over the borderline and breaking their things too. That's what it's about. And now Russia has to separate their troops. They can't all be in Ukraine. They have to go back to Russia to defend their own territory. It's a strategy of war. And this is what we're in. We're in a war. We have to think like this. It's not like, oh, daisies and chocolates and, you know. Sometimes it is like that when we have worship. Oh, daisies and chocolates. But there will be, as Paul wrote, there will be the day of adversity. There will be the evil day. All right, let's look at the next one. The shield of faith in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the enemy. And so throughout our life, and particularly in the day of adversity, we must maintain this conviction of one unshakable truth, that God is able. I want to read to you Luke chapter 1. Verse 37. It says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. Read again. For nothing will be impossible with God. And no matter the circumstance, no matter the trial I'm facing, no matter that I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how I can't see the other side of the mountain, we need to have a confident, a, a, a confident expectation, an earnest faith that God is able to make this adversity pass, no matter what it is, whether it's cancer, whether it's divorce, whether it's sickness, whether it's whatever it is, whatever he brings against you, God is able. And we have to never let go of that truth. This is the shield of our faith. And so what we need to do in the day of adversity, in the time of trial, is we need to... What is it, a cockroach? A spider. <laughs> He's stomping the devil. Come on. <laughs> 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 
in the day of adversity, we need to remind ourselves. We need to stir up our faith. We need to strengthen ourselves. We need to strengthen our faith with this truth that with God, nothing is impossible. And so in the day of adversity, we need to stay plugged in to the word. The, 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 remember, we talked about the schemes of the enemy, the strategies of the enemy. The scheme of the enemy in the day of adversity is to separate you from this. Oh, I'm just, I'm just so tired. Oh, I'll read it tomorrow. I'm just, I just don't feel like it today. I just don't have enough energy. It's just been too hectic. Oh. Schemes. Hang on to this thing if you need to. <laughs> but don't separate yourself from the word. If you can't read it, listen to it. I mean, with the technology today, we can go onto YouTube. Oh, Pastor Craig, Life by the Spirit, play. Audio Bible. Strengthen yourself. Stay plugged into the Word because <clears throat> as the Word comes, we know this, Romans 10, right? Faith comes by and hearing by. What is our, what is our, what is our, our shield? Yeah, the shield of faith. And so I read the stories of, of God opens up the Red Sea and, he, and he, King James he smites all his enemies and the chariots are just breaking in the, in the midst of the river. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> this is, he's amazing. This is, he's a God of all power. You know, and then I go look and it's like Paul and Silas are in prison and they're, they're praying. All of a sudden the prison walls break. And it's like, come on. You know, and I'm starting to get a little bit excited. I'm starting to get a little bit strong now. I'm, I'm stirring up my faith. I'm making them start lifting up the shield of faith. And as I do that, the enemy comes against the circumstance. And where before it was like, it was overwhelming. It was, it was too much for me. Now I've got the shield up. I'm like, it's like, ding, ding, ding. I'm like, oh, ding, ding. Hey, how are you, bro? Okay, ding. Is that all? Please, bro. You know, why? Because I've strengthened myself. And so you'll see in all of these things, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a place of activity. It's not a place of passivity. It requires us getting up and standing and confronting, looking the enemy in the eye. And so we take up our shield of faith. We, we stir us, we strengthen our faith in and through the Word of God. Amen. Everybody with me? All right. Next one, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. It says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Sorry, guys. Something happened with my notes. They're all weird. There we go. All right, so let's look at the shield of faith. No, no, we did that already. The helmet of salvation, sorry. So in the day of adversity, the majority of the battle is in our mind. And we're talking about the schemes of the enemy. And so to overcome, to stand, requires a disciplined thought life. And I want to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6, and it explains how we do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 6. It says this, for though we walk, sorry, though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every obedience when your obedience is complete. I'm reading from the ESV and it talks about, it says in verse four and five, it talks about the word destroy. 
that word actually means to pull down or to take down. And so you'll see in, in a war, a strategy of the enemy would to send in bomber jets, right? Before the troops come in, before he does anything, he'll send jets and they'll bomb. Poof, bomb the cities, bomb the railway lines, bomb the bridges, bomb the food supplies. Why? To, to demoralize the enemy, or to, sorry, to demoralize their opponents and to destroy their infrastructure. And so the enemy, our enemy, the adversary, works very similarly to that. He's not very different. And so when we talk about the battlefield of the mind, we can imagine it like this, is that there are these jets that are flying over our head and they're dropping little bombs into our brains, right? And these, brain, these, these bombs are, are called, um, what did they say here? Ugh. Arguments, right? Lofty opinions, thoughts. He's dropping these bombs in order to demoralize and to destroy us. But what 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says here is that we have a weapon that can take down the jet. We have a weapon that can take down the airplane to stop it from dropping bombs on my brain, from, top, from dropping these thoughts and these accusations in my mind. And so just like in the natural, where you get what you call anti-aircraft missiles, right? Everybody knows that? Anti-aircraft missile, what are they? Sam, Sam, Sam things like that. What is it? Samsonites, no. Sam's, just Sam's, okay, yeah, Sam's. Really cool things, they can detect when a jet comes and they will fire automatically and they will destroy enemy jets and so forth. So we have been given anti-aircraft missiles that when the jets come, we can take them down. That's what it says, that we have authority, we have weapons to destroy and to pull down these jets, to pull down these things. And so when the enemy comes with these jets, the Bible says, I've been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever I bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever I loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. So I have authority to speak to these opinions. I have authority to speak to these arguments. I have authority to, to speak to these thoughts, to bind them. And say, get out of my head, Satan. I forbid you to put these thoughts in my mind. What am I doing? Destroying these bomber jets, destroying these bomber planes, forbidding them to, to, to put these pervasive thoughts in my mind. Then it goes on even more and it says, I can now take these thoughts captive. And so maybe some of them like, <laughs> this is my brain. <laughs> Paratroopers, right? Some of those, <laughs> some of those, some of those airplanes dropped paratroopers and they floated down the parachutes and they got into my brain. And they're running around and they're telling me weird thoughts and accusations about myself. What I can do, the Bible says, I have authority and the ability, the power to put them in prison. And I say, stop running around in my head and lock them away and to put them out so that they don't have the freedom and that they don't have the ability to do what they want in my mind. And so we are not helpless victims to what the enemy puts in our minds. Take a stand against the scheme of the enemy. Vanquish those planes and jets. Take every thought captive. Destroy the arguments. Destroy the lofty opinions. Don't entertain them for one second. Remember, we, we just did a whole series on, on the seed, seed time and harvest, Mark chapter 4. And so the enemy works the same. He, he seeks to bring these seeds of lies and these seeds of accusations. And if we allow those seeds to grow, it will bring forth a fruit. So as soon as that thought comes, rebuke it. As soon as that thought comes, you know, take it captive, bind it. Tell Satan to get out of your head. You know, you might look like an idiot walking down the road. <laughs> Who cares? The world thinks we're stupid anyway. <laughs> so you might as well just go, go all in there. Right. Next one is the sword of the Spirit. And I'm going to read 
It says it's the sword of the Spirit being the Word of God. And I want to read Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. And so we speak about this a lot at Insights, so you'll have an idea of where I'm coming from. But in Revelation chapter 19, verse 15, talking about the sword which Jesus has, it says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. I read again. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And so this gives me a, 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 he, a display or Jesus models how we are to use the sword of the Spirit. So the Bible says the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Right, this is the sword. How do I use it? The sword comes out of my mouth. And so... The Bible says that when I stand, remember the little illustration with the sword, that sword thing that I'm doing there is I'm speaking the word of God. I'm speaking the scriptures of God. Again, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus in the temptation, in the, in the wilderness, the, the Satan comes to him. What is Jesus' response? How, do, how, does he, how does he stand? How does he fight back? He wields the sword from his mouth. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written. It is written. And so when the enemy comes against us in the day of adversity, very, very simply, take your sword and fight back. Take your sword and, 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 and vanquish. Take your sword and oppose. Look him in the eye and take him out. Don't just stand and let him hit you with his stick. You know, you know, Stand and fight back with the sword. I want to read Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. And it gives us an idea of how the sword works. It says this, Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, listen to this, Behold, I have put your words in my mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. To do what? To pluck up and to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to plant. The word of God in your mouth, the sword of the Spirit in your mouth, has all authority and all power to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow. Anything and everything in the kingdom of darkness. Anything that the enemy would bring against you, the victory has already been won here on these pages. All it requires is my co-laboring with what God has already done, and I speak that out against the enemy. And when I do that, I'm wielding the sword of the Spirit. It says here also that when I speak the word of God, not only do I destroy, but I also build and I also plant. And so what we know is that the word of God is, 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 is prophetic in its nature, that it, when I declare something, I create with my mouth. And so let's say the enemy is coming against my body, right? And so I take the word of God and say, by the stripes of Christ Jesus, I am healed. I choose to stand. I don't just lie in my bed, oh, can I have another panado, please? No. <laughs> I sit up, and I take the word, and I speak, it, and I begin to fight. And so what I'm doing, I'm challenging the enemy. I'm holding my ground, and I'm wielding my sword, wielding my sword. I'm destroying. I'm plucking up. I'm breaking down. I'm overthrowing him. But at the same time, I'm declaring life over my own body. I'm declaring supernatural rejuvenation over my body because the word's prophetic in its nature. So by the stripes of Christ Jesus, I'm healed. There's two things happening at the same time. Life is coming to my body and death is coming to the enemy. This is the sword, Hebrews chapter 4, the double-edged sword. It is dual in its nature. It creates, but it also destroys and so it's vital that in the day of adversity, don't be passive. Again, I'll say, don't be passive. Take the sword of the Spirit and fight him back. You are not a punching bag. You are not his rug to, to wipe his feet on. 
The Bible already says that we are above and not beneath. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He's not here, he's here. Not because of who I am, but because of who Christ is and what Christ has done in me. So fight back. Don't fight in your own strength. Don't fight in your own ability. Fight with the sword. Fight with what God has given you. It's like David and Saul, right? David's going to take on Goliath, and Saul comes and he gives him all this armor and all this sword, and, and David's like, this stuff, it's not, it's not what's been given to me. It's not mine. It says, what the Lord gave me is a sling and five stones. Use what the Lord has given you. Don't like now and Google, oh, strategic warfare um, strategies against the enemy. It's like, stand on your head for five seconds and then bind or another one, eat red meat to take on stronghold principalities. You know, it's just like, where are people even finding this stuff? It's very simple. He's already given us the weapon. You already have it on you. Don't go looking for other things now. Take what he's given you and fight. Amen. And the last one, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It says, it's praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. In Matthew chapter 26, there's the story of, well, not the story, but this the encounter the, where Jesus is about to be crucified. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And he says, guys, stay here and pray. My soul is in anguish. The, the time of my adversity has come. This was Jesus' day of adversity. This was this day of evil. And he goes to pray, and, and it says, and he's sweating drops of blood. And he goes back to his disciples, and he's, they're sleeping. He says, guys, wake up. Watch and pray. He goes back to pray again. He comes back again. He finds him sleeping again. And the third time, again. Human tendency is that when adversity comes, is to sleep. Just, oh, I don't want to wake up today. I'm just going to phone in work. I'm not feeling well. I'm just going to sleep and I'm going to stay in my bed the whole day because I don't want to face the circumstance. I don't want to challenge what's out there. That's not Jesus' solution. That's what we draw from Matthew 26. Jesus' solution is watch and pray. This is how we stand. I'm not saying, obviously, we sleep. But in the time of adversity, watch and pray. It says, yeah, Praying at all times, in prayer and in supplication, praying in the Spirit. So we, we pray in our own language. We pray the Word of God. We, we petition the Father on, on behalf of what's happening in our circumstances, what's happening in our family. We petition Him in prayer. But then He says, this, and pray in the Spirit. And so praying in tongues is an extremely powerful weapon against the enemy. Why? Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 28 says, when I, in, in my own weakness, I do not know how to pray, but when I pray in the tongues, the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for me. That word intercession, it means to stand on behalf of another, representing them before a higher authority. And so when I'm praying in tongues, what's happening in that moment, I, I can't see it, but the Holy Spirit is standing before the Father, the judge. He's standing before the courts of him, and he's petitioning the Father for justice. He's petitioning the Father for vengeance on my behalf against my enemies. And not only that, but Jude 1.20 says that when I'm praying in tongues, I edify myself. 
I strengthen myself. There's a supernatural rejuvenation. We, we, we started with that. You know, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. This is one way how to do it. We equip ourselves with strength when we pray in tongues. And I have strength to fight. I have strength to stand. And so when the day of adversity comes, pray. Pray, pray, pray. Pray in tongues. Pray. And what's beautiful about praying in tongues is like you can do it anywhere, anytime. You can do it the whole day. That's what it says there. Pray at all times. Remember, the day of evil, it's a different day. So we've got to act differently. We've got to think differently. Like I said, it's not every day. It's just a season. Sometimes it's just a day. But on the day, do what is required as a good soldier. Stand. And having done all to stand, stand. Look him in the eye and take him on. And use these things. Use this armor. Use these weapons which the Lord has given us. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the sword of the Spirit, our prayer language. Use these things to fight Him. And I guarantee the victory will be yours. I guarantee you, you will overcome. And so, like I said, <clears throat> very practical. And so I hope you've taken notes and written these things down. So when the day of adversity comes, that you know how to stand. Amen. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we just bless you. We thank you for, Lord, just the practicality of your word. That it's not out there, it's not theories, Lord God, but it's, it's just so simple. And Father, I ask for every person as we've, we've heard these things, we've heard these truths, that you would, Lord, your, your word says that the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that you have spoken. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would remind each one of us of these principles and of these truths that when the day of adversity comes, when the day of evil, when the circumstance, when the trial comes, that each one of us, Lord God, would be able to stand, to look the enemy in the eye and to stand strong and to walk out of every single challenge victorious. All the time, every time. And so, Father, we honor you. We thank you for the victory that is in Christ Jesus. That we do not fight this battle on our own, but we fight in your strength. We fight with you. We fight through you. We fight in you. We thank you for the blood and the cross and everything that you have done. As you said, you disarmed the enemy. You made a public spectacle over the enemy, triumphing over him on the cross. And so we honor you for that, Lord. We honor you for the victory. And even in this house today, Father, any person that is fighting the, the battle today, Father, we declare the victory of Christ Jesus over those enemies now. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Amen.